In our last study, we saw Naomi coming back to Bethlehem, Judah. She reminds us that believers who fail God can come back home. Return and restoration is possible with God for all who have wandered away and fallen into disobedience. What a marvelous example of this is Naomi in her return to Israel. But another exciting truth we see illustrated in this story is that we not only see Naomi coming back to the land, but we also see Ruth getting into the land. Naomi is a type of a believer coming back to God and being restored. But Ruth is a type of unbeliever coming to God and being redeemed. Notice what the first three verses of chapter 2 of Ruth says. Ruth chapter 2 verse 1 begins, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech. And his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Now here in the opening verses of chapter 2 of Ruth, we find Ruth beginning her new life in a new land. She has left Moab, the old life, and is now in Bethlehem, the new life. She has just been saved from her old life and is just getting started in her new life. In these first days of Ruth's new life in a new land, we have illustrated for us the matter of spiritual growth. August Van Ryn writes, The whole of the second chapter unfolds the divine process of spiritual growth and enlightenment. When we were born physically, we were but babes, but immediately at birth the process of growth begins. The same is true spiritually. When we are born again, we are spiritual babes in which a process of spiritual growth begins to take place. A new baby must learn to walk and to talk and do many things. A new Christian enters a world in which everything is new and we must grow. Spiritual growth is learning to talk and walk that new life of being a Christian. Peter declared in 1 Peter 2.2, 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. He also had in mind spiritual growth in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Peter is describing the process of spiritual growth. We start out with simple faith, And as we grow, we add various aspects of the Christian character. John gave us one of the best descriptions of spiritual growth in the entire Bible. In 1 John chapter 2 verse 13 we read, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. John is not talking here about physical growth, but spiritual maturity. John describes little children, young men, and fathers. Each of these describes a level of spiritual growth and maturity. 
We are little children that grow into young men and ultimately into fathers. I like the description Uncle Buddy Robinson gave of spiritual growth. He said, a converted man is a babe in a cradle, and a wholly sanctified man is a man with his breeches on and his haversack on his back and his gun on his shoulder, with both eyes open and saying, where is the enemy? Ray Bauman spoke of a survey that estimated 60% of the people in this country professed to belong to some church. From that survey, he gave these evaluations. Out of 1,000 people, 40% of them are spiritually dead. Of the 600 remaining, only about 200 will experience any amount of spiritual growth in their Christian life. Many believers are like the little girl that fell out of bed one night. Her mother heard her crying and rushed to see what was wrong. Mommy, Mommy, I fell out of bed, sobbed the little girl. Her mother picked her up, pulled her close and asked, Honey, why did you fall out of bed? The little girl answered, I was sleeping too close to where I got in. Many believers are living too close to where they got in when they were saved. They need to grow and move further on in the Christian life. Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 and 13 says, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For every one that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. The writer of Hebrews chides believers for not growing and maturing in their understanding and in their Christian walk. Peter says, desire the milk when you are a baby. And the writer of Hebrews says, you're supposed to outgrow the milk. At some point, a believer is supposed to stop being a milk drinker and become a meat eater. So with the understanding that every believer should aspire to and experience spiritual growth, let's look at our text and notice Ruth's new life in a new land and how it illustrates spiritual growth. First, think with me of the purpose of spiritual growth. We read in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. This is our first introduction to Boaz in the book of Ruth. Whereas Naomi is a type or symbolic picture of Israel and Ruth is a type of the church, Boaz is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. From this point on, the emphasis in the book is the process by which Ruth becomes acquainted with Boaz and how their relationship develops and deepens. He is introduced and from here on out, we see how Ruth is drawn into an intimate relationship with Boaz. Contrary to what many would suggest, the purpose of spiritual growth is not to make us Bible scholars. Some have the idea that spiritual growth is a good and growing knowledge of the Bible. There is certain value in Bible knowledge, and I encourage everyone to grow in their knowledge of God's Word. And certainly, Bible knowledge may be a part of the process of growth, but if all your Bible study does is make you a theologian, you have missed the whole purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is to reveal Jesus Christ to us and draw us into an ever closer relationship with Him. It is the person of Christ that vitalizes and energizes every page of the Bible. Jesus is prophesied in the Old Testament and He is presented in the New. The Old Testament anticipates Christ. The New authenticates Him. 
The Old Testament contains Christ and the New explains Him. Jesus is the fullness, the fascination, the fiber, the fragrance, and the focus of the Bible. Jesus is found on every page, in every expression, in every symbol, prophecy, psalm, and every proverb. If you read the Bible and miss Jesus, you have not read the Bible. So to some, Bible knowledge is spiritual growth. But to some others, spiritual growth is getting us ready for heaven. But I remind you that the light of heaven is the face of Jesus. The joy of heaven is the presence of Jesus. The melody of heaven is the name of Jesus. The harmony of heaven is the praise of Jesus. The theme of heaven is the work of Jesus. The employment of heaven is the service of Jesus. The duration of heaven is the eternity of Jesus. And the fullness of heaven is Jesus Himself. Folks, the purpose of spiritual growth is to develop a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, keeping that in mind, notice what was said about Boaz. First, we see that he was a man of relations. Boaz is called a kinsman of her husband's in verse 1. Boaz was related to Naomi through marriage. And Jesus is our kinsman. He was the one who in heaven had a father, but no mother. Came to his earth and was born of a mother, but had no father. He became one of us, one with us, and one for us. By taking on himself human flesh, he became related to us. He became our kinsman, or as they say in some parts of this country, he's kinfolk. Secondly, we see that Boaz was a man of resources. Boaz is also described in verse 1 as a mighty man of wealth. He was a man of possessions. Jesus is greater than the greatest, mightier than the mightiest, and wealthier than the wealthiest. On an annual basis, Forbes magazine compiles a list of the ten richest individuals in the world. According to a recent list, Bill Gates, founder of Microsoft, is the richest private individual in the world. The article calculated his wealth based on a 40-hour work week. His wealth translates to $923,076,292.31 per week. That's $2,307,692.31 per hour. That's $38,461.54 per minute. And that is $534.19 with every beat of his heart. Yet I have news for Mr. Gates. He is a pauper compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Haggai 2.8, the Lord declares the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And in Psalm 50 verse 10, he says, For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. Or as the southern version goes, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the taters in those hills. So Boaz was related to Naomi and was a man of resources. And we also see that Boaz was a man of reputation. We read in verse 1 that his name was Boaz. Boaz means mighty man. He was a man with a respected and honored name. And God has given Jesus a name that is above every name. We are told in the Bible that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. So in Ruth chapter 2 verse 1, we are introduced to Boaz who is a type of Christ. 
And this was the person that Ruth would come to know, come to love, and marry. From the time he is introduced, we see Ruth learning of him, falling in love with him, and living for him. This is the purpose of spiritual growth, to know Christ in an ever more intimate way. Our prayer ought to echo the words of the hymn, More about Jesus let me learn, more of His holy will discern. Spirit of God, my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. Secondly, as we see spiritual growth illustrated in this story, think with me of the pursuit of spiritual growth. We read in verse 2 of Ruth, chapter 2, And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. In those days, like in our country, Israel had a welfare system to take care of the poor. It was a God-commanded system incorporated in the Levitical law. We find this system enumerated in Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10. And when ye reap the harvest of the land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of the field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest, and thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. The word gleanings refers to that which was missed or dropped. When the owner of the land harvested the field, he was to leave the corners unharvested, and he was not to go back and pick up what had been messed or dropped. This was to be left for the poor and for the needy. This was God's welfare system. It was not a handout, but something one had to work for to obtain. Those who were in need had to go to the fields and gather what remained. It was a law that helped to provide for the poor. That is what Ruth asked Naomi permission to do, to go and glean in the field. So, as we see Ruth gathering from these corners, we see the food that was needed to sustain her. We see that Ruth was concerned about how they were going to eat. They had returned home penniless, yet they had to eat. If they did not eat, they would die physically. But the same is true spiritually. Involved in spiritual growth is the pursuit of spiritual food. I remind you of Peter's words in 1 Peter 2.2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Both our Lord and Peter were comparing God's word to physical food. Just as milk and bread are necessary for physical life and growth, so too is the Bible necessary for our spiritual well-being and growth. Just as one must have food to sustain physical life, one must have a diet of God's Word to sustain spiritual life. R.A. Torrey told about how in one of his early pastorates, he asked one of his members how she was getting along in her Christian life. She replied, Very poorly. My life is a disgrace to me and the church. Tori asked her, Do you read and study your Bible every day? She answered, No, but I do study it occasionally when I have time. A little baby was lying in a carriage nearby. Tori pointed at the baby saying, Suppose you should feed that baby once in two hours today, once in six hours tomorrow, and then let it go and feed it every two hours the next day. 
If you kept up that process, do you think the child would grow? She said, no, I think the child would die under that kind of treatment. Tori responded, and yet that is the way you are treating your soul. Charles Spurgeon said, if we think our bodies require refreshment by food thrice a day, can we think that less will serve our souls? If we neglect to feed our souls, our spiritual life will become lean and eventually die. As Ruth needed food to sustain her physically, we need to feed on God's Word to sustain our spiritual life. According to J.A. Carlson, a bird can go nine days without food, a man 12 days, a dog 20 days, a turtle 500 days, a snake 800 days, a fish 1,000 days, and insects 1,200 days. May I say, the believer cannot go one day without eating spiritually if they are going to grow spiritually. And not only is God's word necessary for spiritual growth, but also to just remain spiritually strong. We also see the field that was near to supply her. Ruth's desire was to go into one of the nearby fields and glean corn. Now the word corn does not refer to corn as we know it. It is from a Hebrew word that is a general or generic word for wheat or barley. Ruth had learned of God's welfare system and she asked Naomi if she could go and search for a field to glean in. We will notice in a moment that the field she went into to glean was none other than a field of Boaz. May I say that it is only in God's field that we can find the spiritual food that we need to sustain our spiritual life and to grow as a Christian. The Word of God is one of God's fields to find spiritual food in. Jabez Burns said, The Word of God may be likened to food as it is essential to the life of the soul. Mark G. Percy said, The Word of God is the food of the life of God. The Word of God, read, marked, learned, and inwardly digested, is essential to healthy spiritual life. One has said, The Bible is a loaf, every chapter a slice, every verse a bite. Another field of God in which we find spiritual food is the will of God. When we obey God and are in His will, He will sustain us with spiritual food. God told Elijah to go to the brook Cherith, and it was there he would be fed. 1 Kings 17 verses 5 and 6 says, So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Elijah obeyed the Lord, and he was fed there by the Lord. Being in the will of God is like finding manna on the ground each day as God leads us. And let me just mention a third field in which God supplies us with spiritual food. The work of God is also one of God's fields to find spiritual food. As we work in His field, we find barley to glean and wheat to harvest. And there's a fourth, and that is worship. The worship of God is one of God's fields in which to find spiritual food. The psalmist said in Psalm 34, verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. As we worship Him, we find spiritual food. Ruth wanted the food, and so she worked the field. And that is a lesson for us. Spiritual growth does not just happen. It is and must be pursued. One must glean from the field. One must want to grow and therefore be willing to work to grow. 
And notice that we also see illustrated in this story the process of spiritual growth. We read in Ruth chapter 2 verse 3, And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. To me, this is one of the most thrilling verses in all the Bible. I like to think of it as the happy happenings of her hap. She went looking for a field in which someone would favor her and allow her to glean, and she happened to end up in the field of Boaz. As we see her coming to the field of Boaz, we're reminded of the divine guidance of life. The word hap means chance or happenstance. From a human standpoint, it seems as if she lucked out by chance and ended up in a field owned by Boaz. Ruth had no idea the field belonged to Boaz, so from a human perspective, it would appear that she just happened to choose his field. From a human vantage point, it looked like happenstance, but from a heavenly viewpoint, it was providence. You can be sure that she did not just happen to choose this field. Behind the scenes was a God that was in charge of her life and He was seeing to it that all things worked for her good and for His glory. I think many will be surprised when they get to heaven and realize that a lot of things that happened to them were not breaks, but blessings. It was more than being fortunate on earth, rather it was being favored in heaven. We are also reminded as we see Ruth coming to the field of Boaz, of the divine goal of life. What was God doing here? He was arranging things so that Boaz and Ruth would come to know each other and fall in love. God had a plan for Ruth and a plan for Boaz. It was his plan to put them together and from their progeny would come David. And eventually from their descendants would come the Messiah. God has a plan for our lives as well. And he is always orchestrating and ordering the happenstances of our life to accomplish that plan and purpose. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So you see, God is behind the scenes of our life, arranging all things with the goal in mind of bringing us into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. The whole process of spiritual growth is a work of God in our lives, allowing and arranging certain things to bring us closer to Jesus. It is as Paul said in Romans 8, 28 and 29, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Thus, we see Ruth getting in and going on in her new life. It's a new life in a new land. So let me ask you first, do you know the Lord as Savior? You see, there is no spiritual growth apart from knowing the Lord first. And then second, are you growing spiritually? As you look back from when you were saved until where you are now, do you see spiritual growth? See, if there is no spiritual growth, if you're no different than when you first got saved, then there's only two possible explanations. First of all, you were never truly saved. And second of all, you're not pursuing growth. 
You're not investing your time in the work of God. You're not investing your time in worshiping Him and doing His will. You see, you will not grow unless you pursue growth, unless you invest yourself in spiritual growth. In view of that, the question you have to answer yourself is, first of all, am I truly saved? And second of all, am I doing the things necessary so that I will grow? Only you and the Lord can answer that question. But I urge you to be honest with yourself and come to the right answer. And then act upon what you have discovered and do the right thing beyond that. Until our next study, I trust the Lord will bless you and keep you.